Hey everybody, thanks so much for joining me on the Monfifo podcast. Today I've got somebody very near and dear to me. His name is Rodrigo Bedoya. Rodrigo has acquired great experience in organic certifications, food safety, and good agricultural practices, traveling through Latin America to certify small, medium, and large farmers. He used this experience to help scale farmers, better capitalize their efforts, and export their products to international markets. Thus, Lagrama was born. Lagrama is a company that certifies and exports organic fruits and vegetables, which are produced by a network of 400 small farmers distributed on the coast, mountains, and jungle of Peru. Through an efficient supply chain, Lagrama caters to customers in the United States, Canada, and Europe. And this is where I met Rodrigo. I was in my kitchen at the time, still dreaming about Monfifo and thinking about what I would do when I don't even know how, but I somehow found him and contacted him. And I remember asking Rodrigo about how much a boatload of ginger would cost. And what I really love about Rodrigo is he truly cares about the products that he makes, in particular ginger. He cares about it like it is truly his baby, and that is something so admirable. And not only that, but he also helps over 400 farmers become certified organic. And something that's been really important to me lately and a revolution that really needs to occur is organic farming and regenerative soil and being able to talk about the food and understanding the soil and where the nutrients come from. And so I'm really excited to be able to dive into this today and talk a little bit about organic farming and how it affects our food. So thank you so much for chatting today with me, Rodrigo. Hi, Justine. Thank you so much. Do you know that I still have that very first email you sent me? Do you? I, I, I do. <laughs> What I, it's so funny. I have no idea how I found you, but I am so grateful to have met you because I've been using your ginger since day one. And it's truly, I think, what makes Monfifo so great. Thank you. You sent it through our website. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. And, and do you remember me asking you about how much I think a boatload would be? Or like by a, by a container, I think. It was something like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think you started buying it uh, via FedEx from one of our distributors in the U.S. Like, bo yes. like box by box, one box at a yeah, time. I was buying it box by box and I was putting it in my fridge and I was trying to juice it at home. It was, yeah, it was quite the experience. That's amazing. But thank you so much. I'm really excited to be able to dive into a bit about organic farming. I know that you've had a lot of experience in this, and so I'm really excited to pick your brain. And I, I just kind of wanted to start off by really understanding for everyone to really understand what organic farming is and why is it so important? Sure. Um, you know, the term organic, it has to be understood in this context as a synonym of life. So it means mm. managing and sustaining crops using the elements and processes that occur in nature. So it is important mm. to mention that organic farming implies involvement and management. So it doesn't mean leaving the crops to grow on their own naturally, as some people might think. There is a lot of management and a lot of work. 
And uh, it, is a, it is also a holistic approach to managing crops, meaning that you have also uh, need to consider the surrounding environment beyond the farm. It is not only the farm that is growing crops organic, it is also the social conditions of the people involved in the farm and within the farm's area of influence. That's so interesting. You know, something that's also so important is issues with Roundup or glyphosate and these chemicals that are going out into the world. And so organic farming is so important because you are like moving away from these toxic chemicals. And it really is, it's improving, I think, the health of the the farmers and people that are working the land. Yeah, and, and very well beyond that, you know, even with fertilizers that are not going into the uh, water courses and, and creating eutrophication like miles away from the farm. So the impact is much broader than, than the actual farm itself. Wow, that is incredible. And so really to kind of like understand it, what led you to organic farming? How did you get to where you are today? So first of all, I am an agronomist by education. So I went to college to study agricultural sciences. So I got a, I got a BS degree in that. After graduating, I was hired by a, a Dutch organic certifier that at the time they have their only office uh, in Latin America here in Lima, Peru, in my hometown. So from Lima, I was traveling all to Latin America, uh, inspecting farming operations of all, size, all sizes and all types, everything you could imagine. Uh, from quinoa to coffee to bananas to mandarins to asparagus to meat. And, and after a few years doing that, as an agronomist, I wanted to be more connected with the actual wow. farming, not only visiting farms as an inspector, but actually growing the, the, the crops. But uh, I had no land and I had no money to buy land. And uh, so we, because I have two co-founders that were also my friends from college that were studying with me in university. And then they were hired together with me as inspectors. So the three of us, we decided to start our company, but, um, but we had no land. So the experience of working as an organic inspectors gave us insights into what is possible to achieve when farming in a non-traditional conventional way, as we were taught while in college. In those years, this is 2005, 2006, you could sense a shift from a super intensive high input farming to a more sustainable and healthy approach. And we wanted to ride that wave. So we hoped in the wave and, and everything started. You know, that's really incredible. I mean, I know you say that that's like when the wave started, but still there are so many places here in America that are not producing that way and are not on the wave of organic, uh, which is, you know, kind of hard to believe. You know, when I saw this documentary of Kiss the Ground, you know, that what is happening with our soil and what has happened over the years is really so detrimental. And so it really is so incredible, you know, what you are doing. And not only that, but you're also taking these farmers and teaching them these organic techniques and and having them become certified organic, thus helping the land. And so what was that like? Were these farms already organic? Were they, you know, dealing with more chemicals, pesticides? Like how does that transition occur? They were not organic, and, and the main driver was the fact that we had no land. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we said, how could we connect it with farming if we have no land? Mm-hmm. And on, on the other side of the coin, 
our countryside has thousands and thousands, maybe millions of very small scale farmers. Wow. And, and many of them uh, practice kind of a more traditional agriculture, not, not a very high input, high chemical conventional way, not organic, something more kind of in the middle. And basically because their lack of financial means to buy conventional inputs. So that is the main reason why they were not using very high quantities of, of chemicals. But there was a gap between the potential these farmers could achieve and the knowledge they had to pursue these potential. So there, there was a lot of potential on those, on those small-scale farmers that they were not exploiting. And, and Peru has the perfect conditions for crops to flourish under organic farming. We have many different types of climates and soils and, and biodiversity. So we saw a huge opportunity for these farmers to make a difference if they could be capable of incorporating these practices and make their farms more sustainable. So not only in terms of environmental sustainability, but also in terms of, of profitability and also in terms of the health of their families and their workers and the community. We realized that if we could close this gap, then the sky was the limit. But the only way to make this happen, we needed to achieve a certain scale. So this was not going to happen with, with one or two or three small-scale farmers. We needed to dream big and think in a larger base of farmers because that would allow us to have a significant volume to scale up and sustain the model. So at the very beginning, we started with five, but we really knew that from five, we needed to scale. What was the biggest transition, though, for these farmers to going from, you know, these more simple methods to becoming organic? So the first step, the, the most difficult part, is the willingness to change. Mm, yes, a lot of a hard time with that. <laughs> yeah, so, so if the farmer is reluctant to change, mm-hmm. the, w- the ways he has been farming perhaps for generations, mm-hmm. then it will be very, very difficult or impossible to shift. And, and, and the main barrier here is that the farmer needs to see that it actually works. Mm. So, so it is a game of the chicken or the egg. So, so how, how are you going to see that it works if you do not practice it to see that it works, right? So it was pretty difficult to convince them that these techniques are going to give them results. And what are these techniques? Is it like physical technique? Are they chemical, biological? Yeah, going, going into more detail, the first step is to replace the sources for pest management, for pests and diseases, from conventional products, chemicals, to organic products. This is relatively easy because there are lots of options and the results are evident. Yeah. But the next step is to replace the uh, nitrogen source for the crops. The main uh, ingredient, let's, let, let's call it that way, that the plants eat from the soil is nitrogen. So that one is a bit harder because conventional products have very high nitrogen levels, and I mean conventional fertilizers. You get you can get conventional fertilizer with 40 to 50% of nitrogen content versus organic sources that could have from 5 to 10%, and, and even 10% is a lot of nitrogen for, for an organic fertilizer. 
So here is when the incorporation of more holistic practices come into place. And that means legumes of cover crops, crop rotation, composting, and those results take longer to see. So after this, after changing the sources for pest management and after changing the sources for nitrogen, after a while, the farm reaches an ecological equilibrium that makes the farmer less dependent on external inputs. Because inside the farm, the nutrients are recycled and the pests are naturally controlled by their predators. But to reach that point, it's a, it, it is a long way. It, it doesn't happen in, on day one. Yeah. How long is it on average? I know that, like, I think I've read somewhere that for some farms, it takes a couple of years to fully transition into becoming organic. Yeah, but, but, but that, is, that is mainly because of the regulation. So, so, mm. so the, the organic regulation, depending on the, if it was the European regulation or the American regulation, okay. um, one, one demands that it is a, a two-year conversion period and the other one demands that it is a three-year conversion period. Okay. But, uh, but, but the results are kind of a, a step-by-step. Like, like you start seeing a little bit of results and then more and then more and then more. So, so, so you see over time how this equilibrium you reach that equilibrium like slowly it's not like from one day to the other you see everything in equilibrium you know a very important part is that it is very important getting into the mindset that the process is not fast which is what i just said it is not easy and on the other hand it is permanent meaning that you cannot keep shifting from organic to conventional Mm -hmm. and then back again to organic Let's say it is like you want to lose weight and remain healthy. You won't be successful if you start shifting from one diet to the other to the other and then bouncing back to another and then eating unhealthy again and then healthy again. So if you want to be healthy, you have, you have to change your lifestyle for the better and, and permanently. Otherwise, you will lose your health again. And what it sounds like is it, it the shift from going to non-organic to organic does take time and patience, but it also sounds like once you get there, it is much better and it kind of works itself in a way. You know, as you were saying, rather than focusing on external, it, it all becomes internal in a sense. And so is it then once the farmer becomes, you know, organic, then they start to see what the benefit is to it? It is, but it takes a lot of time and effort. M- many, many decide to leave the uh, program. How long does it take on average? So the places where we grow the ginger, in most of the cases, is in, is in the middle of the, of the woods, in the middle of the jungle. So these are sometimes pieces of mm. land that have never been farmed with any chemical because are, are mostly wild. Oh, amazing. So you can start planting there and, and in, in a short period of time, get an organic certificate because it was almost a wild land. But, um, but to reach this, this, this kind of equilibrium, I, I don't think there is a fixed time that I can tell you, you know what, in three years you reach it. It is going to depend on many, many factors the specific soil, the, the specific location, the specific rainfall, the specific diversity of that specific farm. It is pretty diverse. 
everything is unique. And as you said in the beginning, it's about the willingness of the farmer of wanting to change. You know, I think it's also about education of knowing how this is going to impact the plants, the environment, the people, you know, so it definitely is on the willingness. But once you do get there and you are organic, I mean, it improves the soil and the water quality immensely. Sure. And, and, and there is another factor to it that, that this is giving them access to a global market and much better prices. So there, there, there is an incentive also, a financial incentive to make it work. That's true. And, you know, that is very incredible is you're really helping so many lives of people thrive. I'm sure that many of these farmers that are smaller or more local just go and they sell smaller things and you've been able to kind of keep them growing in such a beautiful way and, and helping them and their families, which is really incredible. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're pretty proud about that. Yeah, and, and so what happens to the soil once it's organic? How, how does the soil change? Because, you know, now more than ever are we talking in the world about soil health and regenerative health and saying that the soil is, is not rich and good, then the nutrients in the food are not good, and then we're not absorbing that microbiome. So what happens to the soil when you become organic? Yeah, sure. So, yeah, it is soil and it is also the broader environment. But I think the biggest impact has to do with drastically reducing erosion, which means a loss of soil. So, you know, organics farming main claim is that mm -hmm. by having a healthy soil, we can sustain farming year over year over year over year. So every practice in organic farming revolves around preserving and maintaining a living soil. On the other hand, by forbidding the use of um, synthetic or chemical pesticides, not only there are less residues contaminating people and the planet, but also the local ecosystems in the farm and its surroundings has less of these pesticides. So when we use organic practices to control pests and diseases, we met this equilibrium between different species populations. So like something very similar as it would occur in nature, in the woods. That equilibrium is what allows the different processes in nature, in the farm, to work, which are like nutrient recycling and stabilizing the demographic dynamics of different insects and molds and and fungus and every type of different forms of life that are there in the farm. And then you reach uh, more energy efficiency and you enhance the biodiversity. You know what? A big problem with farming worldwide also is that the nitrate and phosphorus that are leftovers from fertilizing those farms end up in the underground water system. So at the end, those leftovers of nitrate and phosphorus are causing eutrophication of, of water systems that are very far away from the farm because these products go into the underground and then mm. there are water courses in the underground that are transporting these leftovers that then are causing eutrophication. So eutrophication is a serious imbalance in the water ecosystems and it causes a, a loss of biodiversity 
and even the destruction of ecosystems. So in organic farming, this nitrogen and phosphorus sources are forbidden. So you are not only creating a healthy living soil, but you are also protecting water quality very far away from the farm. Wow. And this is like the water that's going into our drinking, into our tap. In some cases, it must be, at least here in Peru, drinking water is coming from the rivers and from lakes. So yes, and these fertilizers are ending up in rivers. So in some cases, it must be that drinking water for sure. So it's really affecting the water, which then in essence, people are drinking. And this is affecting their health. On, on the one hand, and on the other hand, it is distracting the water ecosystems. Mm. Because eutrophication is, is that in these water ecosystems, algae is growing massively because they are eating, in some sense, the nitrogen and the phosphorus. So water systems become overpopulated with algae. And then the other living species that wow. should be living in those water courses or lakes or whatever cannot keep living there because the the overpopulation of algae that is being fed by the nitrogen and the phosphorus that is coming from the conventional fertilizers being used in conventional farming. Wow, that's so interesting. And so what is the difference between organic farming and regenerative farming? Real organic farming, as it was meant to be, in, in my opinion, is 100% a synonym of regenerative farming. Mm-hmm. That is my opinion. But I mean the real, because you know what? Today you go to a big farm, you replace the chemical inputs for organic approved inputs, and they call that organic. And organic is much more than that. Organic is crop rotation, and is a composting, and is biodiversity. It is not as simple as replacing chemical inputs for organic approved inputs. It is much more than that. So the real organic, in my opinion, is a synonym of regenerative. Nevertheless, I would say that both pursue the same objective of having a healthy soil above all. That is the main thing. But what it is now called regenerative farming, I would say it has a more aggressive approach in terms of fighting climate change by focusing on recovering or regenerating eroded soils, Mm -hmm. promoting, let's say, minimum to zero tillage, to zero tillage, and and, and ultimately sequestering CO2 from the atmosphere and therefore reversing the greenhouse effects that causes climate change. But organic pursues the same. It does. So why is everyone all then speaking about regenerative farming And then why isn't it just continuing in organic? Because something with organic that's nice is it's so friendly to everybody in the sense that we know the difference between organic and non-organic. And everybody has the ability to vote for what they want when they just go into a supermarket or they go to a farmer's market to choose organic produce over conventional. This is just my opinion. I do think that the emergence of regenerative, it is just the uh, reaction of the, the hardcore organic believers, the original guys in the organic industry that are now facing this competition from mainstream massive corporate 
entities doing organic business with these kind of diluted organic standards, mm-hmm. with this simply replacing conventional inputs by organic inputs, and that's it. Because by regulation, those operations can be called organic. And the guys that are the true believers in, in crop rotation and all those practices say, hey, we are different than those guys. But if both of us, we are called organic, we are not showing that we are different. So we have to create this new name, this new thing to show to the people that we are not the same. But, but that is my personal view. But organic farming then does still have the same impact on our environment in terms of like the soil health, in terms of absorbing the carbon from the atmosphere. It is, it is. But some organic operations are much more holistic than the others and therefore, in my opinion, better. That is true. And when you talk about that, you know, it is interesting because organic certifications are different requirements are different, let's say in Europe versus in the US or maybe in Latin America. So they are under all different regulations. Is is that correct? It is. It is. Mm. And so are there some areas that are more holistic than others? At the end of the day, what you do is you follow the rule of complying with the strictest. Mm -hmm. So let's say we are certified with the Japanese standard, the European standard, the American standard, and the Swiss standard, which is a very specific standard. So for very specific for, for very specific practice, you have to comply with the strictest of the four. So you comply with the strictest of the four, by default, you're complying with all the others, right? Yeah, interesting. And so is there a way to be able to tell the health of a soil by just looking at it? What are the best ways to kind of nourish a soil's health and be able to see if this is healthy soil? So the first thing you can notice in soil is structure. An unhealthy soil has no structure. That means no aggregates, no conglomerates of soil. So it may look uh, very compacted or or it may be just sand with no additional texture. An organic soil is the opposite of that. So then color is another sign. So the darker the soil, the richer it is in organic matter. For example, in Peru, in the rainforest, the soils are red, actually actually red, indicating a high amount of iron, which is directly related with very acidic conditions which are not proper for a healthy soil. So in the jungle, we have to fight the acidic conditions because, and that is the nature of soils in the tropics, in the jungles. And that's where ginger thrives, no? Yes, yes. So, you know, a healthy soil can sustain a variety of organisms. So if you see only one kind of plant growing there, it is probably a soil that has some deficits. Therefore, it is only one kind of, of plant growing there because that plant can can live or, or can thrive without that deficiency in that soil. But other kinds of plants are not able to grow there because that soil is not healthy. 
So I know for a fact when I taste organic produce, especially actually organic ginger and non-organic ginger, you, you can taste the difference. It's organic ginger is so much richer and the nutrients just really taste it and feel it. You can see the ginger all when you cold press it. How does the soil impact the nutrients of the food? A balanced soil in terms of the microflora, the, the, the microorganisms that live there, it has much more of it. So that is the reason why a crop growing in a mature organic soil doesn't need or rarely need uh, products to control a pest. And it is because the population of microbes or microorganisms in the soil are in a dynamic equilibrium. Pests emerge when there is an imbalance of populations of one of them. So because of the lack of predators, for example, one population increases exponentially. Mm -hmm. So at the end, your food is growing in a soil which has an imbalance of microflora or microorganisms in that soil. So in an imbalanced soil, plant pests like, like Fusarium or Phytophthora, which are very technical name of, of diseases, emerge. But also human diseases like E. coli or Salmonella which can be easily transmitted from produce to humans are going to be on, on those kind of soils. So in organic farming, what you're seeking is this equilibrium. I, I guess I've said the word equilibrium like a hundred times already, but it is an equilibrium to getting a balance. You know, it's ironic because people use pesticides and all these chemicals and fertilizers so they don't get pests, but then it becomes this cycle because then they're hurting the soil and then the soil then doesn't have a healthy microbiome. And then as a result, the pests come and it kind of keeps going into this cycle. So it's, it's interesting as to why people are even using or adapting to conventional farming methods when organic farming makes so much sense for the soil, for the health, for the produce, the nutrients, the, the people. And it is not only a matter of the equilibrium with the pests, but also the, the, the chemical fertilizers are going to make the crop, the produce, to grow, to have an excessive growth. That is why conventional yields, the production per area, are much higher in conventional because they are making the product to grow excessively with this chemical input, with this nitrogen. So let's say you have these conventional potatoes that are huge. They are very, it's a very big potato, but it's less dense in terms of nutrient. So the density of nutrients content per, per pound is less. It's quantity over quality. While organic farming is quality over quantity. Yeah. 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 It's so interesting. Wow. But the thing is, though, is the direction is moving towards organic farming. I was listening to a podcast recently with Zach Bush, who was saying that Mexico actually in 2023 is banning Roundup and other chemicals in the soil and other places as well, which is interesting. So we're seeing places of the world are really starting to ban some of these harsh chemicals. So it really seems like organic farming is the direction of where everyone is starting to slowly move. Would you say that's where the path is going? Uh, very difficult to say. I think there is a huge growth for organic, and I agree with everything you said. What I am not 100% sure is if it is feasible to replace all the words agriculture to 100% organic or even more to 100% regenerative. 
Well, I mean, you're definitely helping that goal. I mean, with having your own farm, which you have now and, you know, over 400 farms that you've helped transition over becoming certified organic, you know, you definitely are carving that path for sure. And then think food companies as well, being able to, for example, Whole Foods, they don't even allow non-GMO products in there. And so slowly making that transition into the demand hopefully can occur because something that I've definitely learned over the last few years is how organic farming can really help impact our environment in a positive way and being able to see that and understanding what's going on in the world and you know seeing these fires that are occurring and droughts and issues in in our climate I, I think now more than ever is it important to see the value in organic farming for sure for sure it, it, it does a, a lot of good things it's it's soil health it's soil that improve um, its percentage of organic matter and therefore it increases its amount of microorganisms and its balance, which in turn increases the ability of that soil to sequester CO2 from the atmosphere. So that's a big win. And then organic farming doesn't use any inputs made from fossil fuels. Organic farming promotes covering the land with vegetation, which protects the soil from the erosion. So it's a win, 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 win for any angle that you see it. Wow. That is incredible. Thank you so much for being able to chat with us today and, you know, have people have a better understanding of organic farming. And not only that, but the connection that it has to the people that are farming the land and then to the food and then to your body and and the importance of knowing that everybody has the ability to vote for organic farming when they just simply buy produce in the supermarket and or at the farmers market and that they have a choice on that is is really so amazing thank you so much and thank you for everything that you've done you know truly um, I really you. admire the work that you do and I I love your produce, your roots. I mean, it is truly amazing what three friends have been able to do. So thank you so much, Rodrigo, for your time today and being able to talk about organic farming. Is there any way that people could learn more about organic farming or more about what you do? First of all, Justine, thank you so, so much for having me. Um, you know what? Your, your story is also so inspirational, starting in your kitchen and, and having your wonderful product. And uh, I am I am very proud to be part of that story. So thank you so much for that. And um, thank you. Or organic is, is everywhere now. Like people can learn about organic online. They, if they want to, they can go to the uh, USDA and there are also the websites from the organic regulators in Europe. And there are tons of NGOs and organiza organizations related to organic farming. And if they want to learn a little bit more about us, they could follow us on social media. We are, we are on every media platform. Cool. Well, I hope to come and visit. Hopefully when the air has cleared, I, I would love to come to the jungle. <laughs> uh, absolutely. You are very, very welcome. Thank you so much, Rodrigo. Well, thank you again for your time today. And uh, we'll talk soon. <laughs>